cats tend to be quite flighty and they they've got claws and teeth and they're not afraid to use them if they feel scared so it's all about taking the time to learn your animals and respond accordingly Hey there, welcome to Life Well Loved, the pet well-being podcast brought to you by Bella and Duke. My name's James Marriott, I'm your host as we adventure into the world of pet ownership with you and your cats and dogs. We'll be sniffing out expert knowledge from people like behaviourists, nutritionists and veterinary professionals as we explore how to do right by our pets covering everything from pet-centred nutrition to how to help them navigate the world around them. So, let's meet today's guest. Our subject today is pet relationships. I'm really pleased to be joined by a guest who, well, we so we ask people who are coming on the podcast to, to write a, a, a fairly short bio, kind of like a description of themselves. Normally, I would kind of paraphrase that into kind of my own language, but today I feel like I should read this word for word. So please welcome to the podcast, Emma Williams, crazy cat slave to 19 and a dog who thinks he is a cat. Welcome, Emma. <laughs> Hi, James. You okay? Uh, I, I honestly think that's the best description that I've ever read of anyone ever, not just on this podcast, just just ever. Brilliant. Um, I'm, I'm going to add a little bit more. So um, you are a mature student currently doing a bachelor's degree in animal welfare and behavior and a foundation degree in feline behavior. So um, there's a lot for us to pick apart in, in there. But first of all, uh, kind of aside from all that, you have a really long history of pets, don't you? Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, well, uh, coming from a family who like animals or love animals, uh, my dad bought me my first puppy when I was 18 months old, which wow. my mum wasn't particularly happy about. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't take the care of that, but we've always had animals. My gran was a keen animal lover, parrots, chickens, ducks, you name it, hot belly pig at one point. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I got gifted my first kitten when I was 12 and literally that was game over then. I absolutely love cats of all shapes and sizes, risk factors aside, I don't care. <laughs> it's a cat. But unsurprisingly, so for someone who has 19 cats um uh, people listening to this won't, won't be able to see this but you do have a, a cat with you right now which I, I as i said when we first connected on on the on the call to record this the law of averages i guess would suggest that at any given point during the day you've probably got a cat on you yeah maybe more than one depending on where i am in the house but as i said this one this one is my study cat uh this is lucifer the pack members will be familiar with him because he's special needs he's undergoing medical management for a, an ear issue at the moment. Right. And he's neurologically challenged, so he walks everywhere with a head tilt. His balance has been off since he was born. Oh. So he needs a small room, low things. You know, if he's going to fall off something, then it's just not going to cause him any problems. Fair enough. Um, the downside is he's extremely clingy, as you can see. <laughs> he's, he's very cute. Very cute, I must say. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, ending up with 19 cats was that a conscious thing did you decide you know what I just want to be someone that has a lot of cats or how how did that come about um it wasn't a conscious decision it's one of those kind of organic growth things so 
quite a few of them I've had since they were babies. I mean, my eldest is 12 and I got her when she was 10 weeks old. And then over the course of the years, we've had escapees who've come back carrying passengers. And as much as we've rehomed some of those kittens, always end up keeping one or two. I've taken in rescues. I fostered and then ended up, the owner decided to leave them with me. And it kind of just grows from there. Three of them technically aren't mine. They do belong to my eldest daughter. They came with her when she moved back home. But because I tend to take responsibility for the majority of them, they're they're basically all my cats as far as I'm concerned. So we just stop now because, you know, 19 is is not a round number, but it's they all get on. The ones that don't get on have their own spaces. They have a catio that they've got outdoor access and they all rub along quite well. So adding another one would not be good for them, you know. But I mean, you don't need to because you've got a dog who thinks he's a, a cat. Tell us, tell us a bit more about yeah, about that. Ferris is a twenty-four and a half kilo staffy right. who was we we made the decision to get him as a puppy as opposed to a rescue. I normally have rescues, mm-hmm. but because we had quite young kittens and young cats, plus we still had young family members, I wanted to get a puppy on this occasion so I could treat him and train him to to live with them rather than having any kind of unreliability or worries about him turning on them or not being able to deal with them. Uh, the result of that is more often than not, he behaves more like a cat than a dog. Of course. So okay, that makes sense. It's quite funny, but also, Ferris, you are a dog. You do realise he doesn't like going out in the rain, doesn't like going out in the cold. If it's sunny, if the weather is just perfect, then he will allow himself a walk. <laughs> I, I can relate to him very, very well. Very, very well. Um, I, I, have you got any other pets or is it just the cats and the dog? Um, we do have a tank full of fish, um, okay. which both my grandsons enjoy. One of them is severely autistic, so he right. finds it quite calming to watch them. Yep. Uh, and the two-year-old who lives with us full-time he is fascinated by them, but he does tend to call them fishies and then meow at them because he thinks everything in the house should meow. And the youngest daughter took possession of two guinea pigs yesterday. So, so yeah, that that's a, a new thing to learn about. Oh right, a new a new addition into into the, <laughs> yeah. the mix. They do they do not live downstairs. They are in her room where no cats go for their own you know safety and stress levels. The most I've ever had is is one cat at a time. Did once have two hamsters, but they were relatively easy to manage. So I I can't get my head around trying to imagine what an average day in your household is is like. Give us a, a bit of an idea because I mean that yeah it's it's a kind of like that's a that's a lot of pets that that you you've got to feed that you've got to look after. I imagine, you know, knowing cats as they are, they have their own personalities. Some are more needy than others. Some want to be out all the time. Some want to be in all the time. Some want to be on your knee all the time. How 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 do you find time to do anything else? Well, we kind of have a loose routine. They get fed in a couple of hour windows, morning and night, so they're okay. not waiting on food. Yep. It can be any time within that period, so it gives us a bit of leeway in case something crops up. They're pretty all well organized, to be honest. They have their own little groups. They're more like gangs, to be fair. 
and they roam around at large. The ones who prefer to be solitary with each other, older ones, they they have their own spaces within the house. They yep. go where they want to go. You you kind of learn their personalities as they grow up. The sure. ones who want cuddles attention on their terms will come to you when they want it when they've had enough they will just go and the most important thing then is to not force them to stay any longer than they want to um and then I've got others who literally they will hear me sit down and they will be there waiting to get on my lap they need a little bit more attention so I try to make sure they get that uh, we have plenty of family members in the house, so they spread themselves around whoever their favourite person is at that time. They get fed, like I said, twice a day. They have lunchtime snacks. Whoever's here will do that. If it's me, then I take a bit more time about it, so I've got time to check on them, how they're eating, that sort of thing. It's it's very much like running a zoo at times. You've got to observe them all, check them all over daily, make sure nothing's going on. The vets are on speed dial, so so you know you you've just got to you've just got to make it work. So, what a great description of running a zoo! That do, it, it very it does absolutely sound like. You know, <laughs> uh, we're talking today quite specifically about pet relationships. Tell us a little bit then about the relationship, the 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 bond that you've built with 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 your with your zoo. <laughs> well. You know, with that many animals, you you love them all. There's no denying it. Every single one of them I cherish. But there's always the odd ones that kind of get your heartstrings a bit more sort of thing. Lucifer is one of them, purely because he's been a little bit special since he was born. He He's mm-hmm. needed a lot more care. Um, given that he's not over keen on the other cats, he likes his own little space where they can't disturb him. He relies on human attention. So, you know, whenever I'm out here studying, working, you know, whatever I'm doing, he is literally there with me, which is good because he gets that that contact that he craves. But then once he's had that, he's equally happy to go off and lie on the chair out of the way where he can see me, but he likes his own space then. DJ, the, the Sphinx, who is not downstairs at the moment, he came to me as an emergency rescue he was very poorly when we picked him up and needed to go into solitary because of the illnesses that he had. And obviously that was quite a protracted care. So it took about 10 weeks to get everything squared and get him back to full health. He was reactive to other cats anyway because of the situation he'd come from. So he very much bonded to me. He is like, he's a weird, sphinxes are a weird mix of cat human and dog um he's very very affectionate he will come downstairs he will see the other cats for as long as he feels comfortable but then he takes himself back up to his bedroom but i am his main human he does love my husband a little bit the kids even though they're older he takes them or leaves them is dependent on his mood you know so you've got to learn to read how they are behaving to know what they want and when they want it. You can't force yourself on any animal, but cats tend to be quite flighty and they, they've got claws and teeth and they're not afraid to use them if they feel scared. So it's all about taking the time to learn your animals and respond accordingly. 
this is really interesting. Are we partly interesting in terms of you, you talking there. I, I feel like we could do an episode just about the experience of having a Sphinx <laughs> cat because I find them fascinating. They're very expressive. So when, when we talk about, um, you know, get, getting to really know and understand your your pet, showing them the love that they need, showing them that you that you love them, that you care for them. Um, obviously, you've you've got a little bit of a head start on most people in terms of the fact that this is what you're studying now. Like you really, yeah. you know, you really un- understand this. What what would your? I, I guess I'm asking you what your kind of advice, what your tips would be for for other <clears> pet <throat> owners to kind of, you know, how how do they get to know their pets? How should they go about that process of starting to really show their pets that they love them and obviously getting that back in return? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question purely because a lot of the time, and and this is something that I'll be studying in greater depth probably for my dissertation, is the method that we use of projecting our own feelings onto our animals and assuming that they feel how we feel. Mm. Um, So, oh, you know, it's one of the most innocuous things. Oh, I'll get that blanket for the cat. He'll really love that. The cat It's just a blanket to the cat. Yes, they might have a preferred feel of a blanket, but it's not going to be the colour or the size in the same Mm. way that we choose things, you know. So through the course of studying, it's made me realise that they are still an animal and they don't have the same way of thinking as we do, but... Mm -hmm we tend to project that onto them. So so with me, a lot of the time, it, it's giving them time. It's letting them learn their new environment, not overpowering them with too much fuss and, you know, that they feel they've always got to be ready for somebody to approach them, learning that they can have downtime and they can have time on them on their own if they want it. Dogs are a little bit different. Dogs tend to crave human company a lot more than cats. But saying that, cats are not as independent as people think they are, especially if they are a house cat like a sphinx who can't necessarily be a free-ranging outdoor cat because it's too cold in this country a lot of the time. Mm. So they've got to be indoors or have an enclosed area. So you've got to learn how to care for that particular breed before you even start thinking about how you want to be with them in that sense you know you don't force yourself on them you let them come to you particularly if somebody's made you know the amazing decision to get a rescue cat you don't always get told what the situation they came from was so you've got to be mindful of certain things might scare them they may need more time they may need more hiding places it 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 very much depends on the animal and you let their personality come out to know how to then behave with them you know kittens are usually quite lively and they like to play a lot but if you've got two together they may not necessarily want to come to you they will always be together until they hit a certain age and they think oh that human's quite nice I'll go and sit with them and they can sit on their lap and things but it's about giving them the choice as to what they want and how they do it. Because when you start forcing things on them, that's when they start to react and get a little bit scared and become reluctant for that kind of behaviour then. I think you're, you're probably in quite a unique position to be able to talk to us about 
the, the the next thing that I want to ask you about, which is still about pet relationships, but a little bit more about their relationships with each other. So, um, you know, historically, the the thing is, you know, if you get a, if you get a cat and you get another cat, they probably won't get on. Or if you've got a cat and a dog, the dog will be chasing the cat round. All, all those kind of sort of stereotypes in terms of mm-hmm. pets relationships, which we know aren't necessarily true um however you know the having having a couple of pets that really don't see eye to eye that don't really like each other is 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 not uncommon you've got a literally a house full of pets how how does that work in terms of how how do they you know do they do they show love to each other like is is there relationships there oh definitely there there is definitely relationships there be, between a lot of them the eldest wicket, she's quite a solitary lady, but she will go and boss the youngers around, you know. She, right. She'll she take her time. She's kind of the matriarch of the bunch. As long okay. as you're not disturbing her, she will leave yep. you, get on with your day. But there are periods during the day where she will go on a little wander around and kind of check on everybody. And if she thinks they're misbehaving, she'll tell them. You know, the youngsters tend to band together because they were brought up together, but they will interact then with some of the sort of four, five-year-old cats I've got. You kind of find that the girl cats tend to be a little bit more maternal to the youngsters. Some of them are their mums, some of them are unrelated. And then the, the boys tend to be a little bit more solitary. They prefer human company to other cat company. But I've got three boys, two who are brothers and one who isn't, who have bonded together very closely. Now, Han and Chewie are about eight to ten, eight, nine years old now. Um, But Loki is only four and Loki was brought in by my daughter. But they will spend a lot of time together grooming each other, just sitting next to each other, playing a little bit. You know, they're getting older now. They, they prefer to just lie in front of the fire and observe things. But you let them build their relationships with each other. Um, I never force them to be with a cat they're not happy with. I never try and, you know, you don't put them in a room with each other and let them work it out as such. You've got to give them their own space to work out who they want to be friends with. And like I said, I'm lucky enough, they've got a big enough house that they've all got their own individual little spots that they like. Nobody else will go in that spot, so they know that's their safe place. Yep, yep, yep. Um, that's that's amazing. What what I love about um, the, the stuff that you said, Emma, is that so much of it just feels like it's relatively common sense. Like this is not, obviously <laughs> you, you are doing the degree, but you don't have to have a degree to be able to figure out the way of, you know, building your own relationship with your pets, allowing them to form the, 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 the right sort of bond between each other. I did want to ask a little bit about your studies and and kind of you know where you're at with 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 that, um, but also why why you decided that was was something that you wanted to kind of go on and and, and study in depth. Well, obviously, I've always loved animals. I probably should have gone and done it from sort of school or college, but I didn't take that path. I think at that point, I didn't think I'd be able to cope with the potential of losing animals or being in an environment where you have to go through that kind of thing with other people. As I've gotten older and actually had to deal with it myself, you know, losing cats when they're old age or they're ill, dealing with, like Loki, for example, is a tripod. 
he had to have an amputation about three years ago now because he had a really nasty accident out and the the best thing for his quality of life was an amputation so I had to deal with all the post-op care of that the infections all of that kind of stuff and that was quite complex one of our other kittens had a very very serious eye condition and there was talk of her losing the eye unless I could get up every two hours and put four different drops in her eyes for three weeks which I did and we managed to wow. save the eye. So it's it's quite intense. But doing all of that care, working my way through it, being a midwife to a couple of the cats, you know, dealing with the health issues, it kind of made me realise that actually I know I can help people with their cats. But I didn't just want to say, oh, well, this is all experience. I wanted to be able to back it up with actual clinical and recognized knowledge and qualifications because behavior in itself much like nutrition isn't regulated at the moment Mm. which can be a little bit dangerous in some cases because a lot of people don't know when to say they don't know something so I wanted to give myself as much knowledge as I could backed up with the formal qualifications so that I could help people knowing I was given the right advice and also to know when I don't know when I need to go and ask somebody who knows more than I do. So um, I'm finding it absolutely fascinating. And it is good because a lot of the stuff that I'm doing, it's kind of refreshing to know that I already know some of it. So um, it just backs up the fact that I do know, but it's just that extra layer of confidence I'm giving myself as well then. You used the phrase in there a few times about um, helping people, giving people the right, the right help, the right advice. What, what's kind of the end game from 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 this then? Because obviously, the, the I, I guess the stuff that you're studying, you would kind of think maybe that's the 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 sort of stuff that people would study when perhaps they want to go into being a behaviorist or something along those kind of lines. What what do you is this is this just about knowledge for yourself or or is there no, a kind of a master um... plan at place? Yeah, um, my ideal would be to to gain clinical knowledge as well. So either vet nursing or vet nursing assistant. So I have that clinical first aid uh, background of illnesses, that kind of thing as well. And that's backed up by a qualification. But I would like to become a behaviorist, probably more feline than anything else. The qualification itself gives you avenues to go and work for DEFRA, the RSPCA, uh, AFA, that kind of thing in animal customs or inspectorates. But those kind of environments can be quite distressing for, for officers doing that job. And that's not to say I wouldn't cope with it, but I don't think I'd be able to get out to a wider element of people to help them. Because, you know, like I said, they know a lot of people will go to a behaviorist for their dog it's not very common for cats because they are perceived as independent they don't need as much they don't have problems but actually because they're being in a house environment and they're being subjected to a lot of things that maybe they're not normally they actually do bear looking at and sometimes they do need that kind of input so that that's kind of the route I want to go with a view to like, you know, no pressure, um, masters in animal nutrition so that I can provide a rounded kind of view of something because cats' diets are not the same as dogs and they're not 
what people think it is either in regards to just going and picking a bag up off the shelf. It's a little bit more in depth than that. And it's just about trying to educate people in how to give their cats the best health and their best life through nutrition as well as how you manage your relationship with them. In terms of building up real life experience, I'm not sure there's anyone that will be able to beat you on that score. So uh, <laughs> you are uh, definitely on a on a on a good path there. The the one thing that we've not really talked about, and you mentioned nutrition in 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 there. What we've not really talked about is is diet, which obviously for for us is something that that, that we're really keen on. And there may be people that wouldn't necessarily connect the idea of your relationship with your pets with you know what you feed them and, and, and what they what they eat. Do you see a connection there? With a cat, to a degree, you can have a connection with them via their food, as in, oh, there you are, human, give me some food. But it's not quite the same as a dog, you know. Cats are a little bit different. Yeah, you can train them and you can train them or whatever, the same as you can with a dog. But I think with a cat, it's giving them the basis of a good nutrition so that they have a proper healthy diet, an appropriate diet more than anything, because they do only need to eat meat. And a lot of people seem to think that as cats became domesticated, their digestive system changed and now they can eat kibble, which is not true. There was a recent study done, actually, I think it was about 2020 to 2022, roughly, where they studied the gene pool of wild cats and domestic cats and found that there's not been very many changes across the whole family. So when your cat is going out to go and catch a mouse or it brings a bird back, it's just doing what its body is telling it it needs as nutrition. Mm. Now, a lot of us are averse to to letting them do that because it's not good for the wildlife. It's a little bit distressing for us to deal with that kind of thing. So the next best thing you can do is feed them a raw diet that's balanced, that's nutritionally appropriate for them. It's not quite as scary as finding them a mouse or something like that, but you know they're getting everything they need from that. It also then lays a good foundation for ongoing health, which means they're less likely to have those problems that a lot of cats get when they're older. And a lot of vets don't get the nutrition training that they really should have mm. you know to make them to, to enable them to build their own belief based on being told about everything so a lot of owners kind of feel a, lo- a little bit nervous about telling their vets that they want to feed this or that and they often just do as they're told which at the end of the day you go with what a professional tells you and it, it's the adage where if you can't feed them raw all the time give them some fresh meat top it up their food so you're giving them an element of what they need prevention is better than cure sort of thing and it also helps keep them a lot calmer I find that both my cats and my dog don't get those crazy energy spikes that you can get when you're feeding them something that's got a little bit more energy in it that they might need I I tell me if I'm oversimplifying here but but in my head I'm thinking well a pet be a cat, be a dog, be any pet that's um, that's fed well, that's fed what they need, that's fed a, a good, balanced, nutritious diet is going to be a, a healthier pet. It's going to be mm-hmm. a happier pet. And so for us as, as pet parents, pet owners, whatever we want to call ourselves, building, really cementing a, a, a relationship is going to be easier with a healthier, 
happier pet. That would seem yeah. fairly common sense to me. Am, am I oversimplifying or is, is, is that accurate? Yes, if you're giving them a good food, a good quality food, they they know that it's good for them and they're enjoying eating it, That that is a good basis to start your relationship on because they are linking you with a positive action. You know, you're yeah. not just putting a bowl of food down and letting them go. You're giving them good food. They've enjoyed it. And you can see that they've enjoyed it because they're still licking the plate of the bowl three minutes after all the food has gone. To me, that's a sign of enjoyment and it's a sign of satisfaction in what you fed them. And yes, I think that does build part of a strong bond with them because they know you're going to feed them and you're going to feed them something they want as opposed to just going scavenging it out of the food bin, which my dog does sometimes try and do, chances it. Um, doesn't, help having, doesn't help having a two-year-old grandchild in the house who will casually share toast with him if you're not watching him. But overall, Ferris loves his food and he gets so excited at mealtimes. And the cats are the same. As soon as their plates come out of the cupboard, they're like, oh, yes, it's time. So, so yeah, it's definitely a positive thing. Ember, it's been brilliant to chat to you. Um, I guess the final thing I just want to ask you is in terms of you, you said at the beginning that you're you're happy with that number of, of 19, which is <laughs> you know, kind of a nice, have a nice round number, but happy with, with that. Obviously, at, at, at some point, that, that's that's going to change naturally. Are you planning to bring more in when, when you do have um... some that are no longer around? Like I said, the number at the moment, they all rub together pretty well. You know, they've all yep. got their spaces. Yes, there is going to be losses. You know, you kind of expect that. Although I do think Wicket is immortal because that <laughs> kid, she she literally can do anything and it does nothing. But actually, I think it wouldn't be until there were a lot less of them that the dynamic wouldn't be affected too much, you know. Gotcha. I would love to have another Sphinx because... I am fascinated by their behavior and and how they are different to other cats. But I wouldn't do it just for the sake of doing it either. I I actually do spend time as my university placement at our local RSPCA center in the cattery. And it's a good job that I've told myself I don't want any more cats because I literally would bring them all home with me. But that that's kind of my way of having more cats without having more cats and upset in mine. So, yeah, in the future, you're looking at probably, I don't know, maybe five, ten years' time I might add to them. But I wouldn't do it now because I they, they all are happy. And why would I want to upset yeah. the babies I've already got as such for the sake of just having another one? If it was a a dire situation like DJ's where somebody said, I really, really need this cat to be honed. It can't go anywhere else. Then I would find a way to either get it up into the RSPCA centre where I work or I would do something to take it myself. But it would have to be that kind of situation because I don't want to upset the ones that already rule my life. (laughs) I, I was giggling in the middle of that when you were talking about um, obviously being at the RSPCA shelter. <laughs> um, I uh, so I'm actually I'm moving so at, the, at the moment. I'm in kind of an apartment. I'm moving into a, a house in the not too distant future. So I've been thinking about you know, a couple of cats in a house. That'd be nice. Um, so uh, a couple of kind of local rehoming rescue um, groups on um, social media, kind of close to where 
I am. And, and as I scroll through my feed and they pop up, I'm like, yep, I'll have that one. Yep, I'll have that one. Yep, yes. I'll have that one. Oh, I've got to have that one as well. And, and so far, I think, <laughs> I, you know, mentally, probably about 300 cats that I've said, I'm going to have them all, all of them. Uh, there'll be no room in the house for, for me, so I'll have to move for that. You, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My husband keeps saying that. He says he's going to get himself a flat and he'll just come and visit every day so that he's got peace <laughs> and quiet, but he won't do it. Best thing I can suggest with that is if you're going to go for kittens, get two so that they pick on each other instead of your furniture. Yeah, um, fair enough. If you're going to go for an older cat, never discount an older cat because we've got quite a few oldies in at the moment and they are already house trained they're so affectionate and lots of people look past older cats because they're older and if you just want a lovely old cat that's just going to sit on your lap at the end of the day not trash your curtains you know they're perfect so I find myself gravitating to the older ones when I'm there so so you know got to give them a cuddle and let them sit on my lap for a bit but yeah, it'll it, you'll have lots of fun meeting them and, and working out which ones you're going to take home. <laughs> Brilliant. Emma, I could sit and talk to you all day long. Um, we're going to have to draw it to a close. I have made a note and written down at some point. We will do an episode about Sphinx Cats because I find that fascinating <laughs> as well. Um, so we'll get that booked in at some point. Uh, some point yeah, soon. no problem. But thanks ever so much for your time. It's been really good to chat to you. And you. Thank you very much, James. Well, that wraps up this episode of Life Well Loved. Thank you very much for listening. You can find out more about us at bellaandduke.com and don't forget to hit follow so you get all our new episodes every fortnight. Thanks for listening. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye.